Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of All the Hard Things. This one is guaranteed, I already told Juliet, this one is guaranteed to be a front runner. You guys love the relationship OCD episodes, um, and that's okay, because it is just a topic that until recently has not gotten a lot of attention or research or love, and there are people out there who are struggling, and we got to help them out, Juliet. So I have my uh, friend here, Juliet Gustafson, and uh, she is a licensed social worker, and we are going to talk all about relationship OCD today from a personal experience, from a professional side. We're going to go over all the things. So Juliet, I would love if you could introduce yourself a little bit and just talk about like how we came to decide on this topic, like why you and I decided. I know we know, but tell the audience kind of why this topic was something that you wanted to share about. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I am Juliet. I am a social worker. I am licensed in Michigan. I'm also um, part of the LGBTQ community. I love learning about OCD in all aspects. But one thing about relationship OCD that has really kind of drawn me to it is how sneaky it can be. We often understand what OCD can look like in such a specific lens. And for folks with relationship OCD, many of them, myself included, went years without even realizing that relationship OCD was something that was affecting them. And if it's hard for us to understand that we might have relationship OCD, it's even harder for our partners who are with us through it to understand kind of what might be going on and what relationship OCD is. So Jenna, as we were talking, it was really great to hear that people want to learn about relationship OCD. And I'm really excited to talk more about how you can bring in your partner into your OCD treatment to kind of get their support while also empowering yourself to do all of the hard things. That is amazing. And it's such a unique slant on this. And I think that, I mean, in general, we don't give enough or share enough resources for those supportive ones, right? Like for the loved ones, for the partners, whomever it might be, you know, OCD affects everybody. I always say like it infects because that's kind of what it is like. It infects the whole, whether it's household or just like relationship circle and relationship OCD is difficult because by nature, right? Like you are involving somebody else whether exactly. that is a friend or a partner or a loved one. Um, I really struggled. And at this time, I, in my life, I had already had 10 years of OCD experience under my belt. I was super ignorant and thought that I knew all of the things that there were to know about OCD and anxiety. And then I had my son mm -hmm. and I really struggled with harm OCD. I really struggled with like kind of the more typical manifestations of it in the postpartum stage. But as he got a little bit older and as he started to be able to communicate with me more and as 
parenting decisions became a little bit more complicated than just like, you know, feeding and sleeping and the basics, keeping him alive. I started to develop my own obsessions and compulsions about our relationship. And I never thought that it would be considered under the umbrella of like relationship OCD, because we hear about it, like you said, like in this very like specified vacuum of like OCD is this, this, and this. And then we even go a step further. And if, and when we do talk about relationship OCD, we talk about it existing, like in the romantic sense, but this is any relationship. This is relationships with your friend with your you know partner obviously i think that's probably what will most gear this towards but i want other people to know too that this is not just a romantic kind of thing like this can definitely happen with any kind of relationship and so if you have an a friend or anybody else hopefully we can get them some advice on how we can support we can give them some support and how we can kind of bring them in and inform them about treatment too cuz i think it's so important we don't talk about them nearly enough absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more Awesome. So um, give us your take on before we get into kind of the nitty gritty about bringing in the the partner or bringing in the other person. I know we have very specific things that we want to get into, but just like give me your explanation or kind of picture for the crowd about what is relationship OCD? What would be some, you know, just manifestations of it, some presentations that one might go through if they have or are struggling with relationship OCD? Mm-hmm. So we know like OCD in general is the death disorder. And we know that OCD can latch onto things that we value and things that are important to us. So Because of this, it makes so much sense why many of us struggle with relationship-related obsessions and compulsions, especially those of us who really value our friendships and value our romantic relationships and value our families. So relationship OCD is kind of like this umbrella term for any obsessions and compulsions in OCD that focus on your relationships. So this can be so variable, but usually we see people wondering or having intrusive thoughts or doubts about, you know, the quality of their relationship or if it's right, or if they are truly caring about the other person, or if maybe they have some other motive involved. So really any kind of obsession about the relationship. So this can look like obsessing about if you are sexually attracted to your partner or obsessing about if your significant other has been faithful to you or if maybe they are secretly having an affair or wondering about you know if your friend really does care about you or if maybe it is all fake and you're actually being used for some reason, or maybe you are unintentionally using your friend and maybe you don't know it yet, but you have to figure it out. So really anything around a relationship where you're trying to figure it out. And I want to say that this is different than the normal questions that you might have in any kind of relationship. You know, it is normal to ask yourself, and by normal, I mean within the range that many people experience. I'm not saying it's not normal to have relationship OCD, but you know, in all relationships, we have questions like, is this person compatible with me? Am I compatible with them? Do we share the same values? Are we a good match? But with relationship OCD, these questions kind of become the content of your thoughts most of the time. So you feel like you're stuck in this loop of trying to figure this out. And 
in response to this, compulsions in relationship OCD can look like asking for reassurance or confessing all of your thoughts to your partner or asking really, really specific questions about your partner or your friend's history to figure out like if maybe they had a better friendship with someone else before you or if they're like romantic and like sexual life was better before you were there. So there's this thing called retroactive jealousy, which is really common for folks with relationship OCD, which is basically like you experience really intense feelings of like jealousy and anxiety when you imagine your person or like your friend having any kind of like good interaction with someone else in the past. And I actually didn't realize this was something that was part of relationship OCD until a few months ago. But I had this moment of like, oh, wow, you don't experience this when I was talking to someone and they were like, no. And I was, you see, we always are learning new things. Um, so with compulsions, it can be, you know, needing your partner to give you specific reassurance about how much they love you or asking family members, do you think this person is a good match for me? Or spending hours mentally reviewing how you feel when you're around someone, checking for attraction, um, using sex as a way to verify that you are attracted to your partner, um, or having really specific like parameters that you feel you need to meet around your relationship. So sometimes people talk about relationship OCD as like relationship perfectionism. And I think in some contexts, this can be a really helpful way to view it because for someone with relationship OCD, anytime there's a conflict or anytime there is something that doesn't feel perfect, like you're comparing your relationship to what you think it should be. So anytime it deviates from this expectation, you freak out and you feel like maybe this is a sign that you and your person aren't a good match for each other, or maybe the relationship isn't strong. So this is kind of like in a nutshell, how I've come to understand relationship OCD. And the thing about relationship OCD that took me a long time to realize was a lot of the questions and a lot of the doubts in relationship OCD are common for people who don't have relationship OCD. Meaning many of us do wonder about our relationships and if we're a good match and if we're attracted to our partners. Um, so a lot of times relationship OCD just sneaks under the radar and you don't realize that what you're dealing with is OCD. Yeah. And the whole time that you're talking, I'm just like, I can imagine. And obviously I know, um, cause I work with it all the time, you know, like the reassurance seeking, the constantly having to confess, the checking in with yourself, the not being present for conversations, like all of those rituals that we do as a way to cope with those obsessions and that anxiety can cause such a drain on the relationship itself. And we a lot of times can rely on the other person to give us that reassurance or to try to make us feel better. So mm -hmm. I love, I would love for you to start talking about the difficulties that partners or loved ones, I might just use the word partner, but of course I want everyone to remember that this can be any kind of relationship, but we are going to talk more probably about the partner aspect of things, right? Um, so difficulties that partners face regarding when their loved one has relationship OCD, because it's got to be so hard. It's got to be so draining. and best case scenario, the person has understanding of OCD and they understand how to support without accommodating. They don't take it personally, but mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that's not the case most of the time. <laughs> and it's hard because it's, 
it's hard to not take some of this personal because it is personal because it is about you. Like when your partner has relationship OCD, like you said before, Jenna, like a lot of the anxiety and the obsessions, the compulsions, they are about you, or sometimes they end up falling on you to complete for the person. So if the, if your partner is struggling and they need you to say, I love you a very specific way. And until you do it the right way, they're not satisfied. That can be really draining and really stressful and also really confusing. So some of the difficulties partners can face when their loved one has relationship OCD. So the first one obviously is like, it can feel really personal. And because relationship OCD is so sneaky, sometimes partners don't really understand, you know, what's going on. Um, but there are these kind of repeating conversations that keep happening. So for example, my spouse and I, I have, I've had OCD my whole life. I've known I've had OCD my whole life. And my spouse is awesome because she knows a lot about OCD because all I do is talk about OCD to be completely honest. But even us, like the two of us will sometimes catch ourselves and we're like, oh wait, we're doing that thing. Cause we've had this conversation 20 times before. And here we are again, back at the same level and we're just doing whatever the cycle is. It just keeps happening. So I want to say that even for those of us who understand relation of OCD, our partners understand relation of OCD, it can still be really sneaky. So um, another thing that can be difficult with um, supporting a partner with relationship OCD is it can feel really isolating because when your partner is really struggling, obviously that is difficult for any relationship, but then when they're struggling and a lot of their source of anxiety or distress is coming from you, a lot of times partners feel like they're not good enough or they need to be doing more or they should be doing whatever they can to kind of alleviate their person's distress. And if this is the case, if you notice that like your partner feels like they're taking this on and they're trying to like save you or convince you that they do care about you, I want you to know that like, it seems like your partner probably really cares about you and is wanting to help. But what we know about OCD is, you know, sometimes the things that help us in the moment, so getting that reassurance or hearing um, whatever we need to hear, it helps in the moment, but ultimately it kind of reinforces the cycle of OCD where we get the immediate relief, but then it teaches our brain that until we, you know, get that again, when we feel anxious, we're never going to feel better. Another part of relationship OCD that is difficult is sometimes when there are difficulties in a relationship, the couple decides, why don't we go to couples therapy? Why don't we work this out together? Because clearly these issues are involving both of us. So maybe there's a lack of trust or there are concerns about infidelity or there are concerns about compatibility. So the idea of going to a therapist who's a couples therapist, it would make a lot of like objective sense. However, if the couples therapist isn't aware that there's this relationship OCD component of the relationship, and if the members of the relationship aren't aware of this, it can actually make it worse because there can be a lot of shaming or there could be enabling or there could be kind of reinforcing of some of these fears. 
And I think this is an aspect that, as I'm talking about now, really isn't discussed very much, but it makes me wonder what are some ways we can, I'm just, this is just a question I'm asking myself right now, but what are some ways we could kind of expand the knowledge of relationship OCD to specifically like family and couples therapists, because they are doing a lot of this work. Yeah. And I mean, we all know any OCD therapist out there and any person who has OCD out there knows the, I want to use like a very strong word, like injustice, but a lot of times it's not, they don't know, right? Like they, it's that they don't know what they don't know. And so, you know, we end up, you know, people end up going to a therapist, assuming that they can, that that's what they're told to do, right? Like just go see a therapist, go see someone who specializes in CBT and they end up getting something that's very generic and not uniquely tailored or niche specific to OCD and anxiety. And like you're saying, it can actually make things worse. And so in that situation, especially with couples therapy, right? Like they're going to talk it out and they're going to dive deep and they're probably going to go back into the past and identify why they feel the way that they feel. And, you know, maybe even emphasize things like giving reassurance and, and in some capacities and other universes that might be great, that might have a time and place, but it doesn't, when it comes to OCD, that can actually not just be unhelpful, but it can be detrimental and it can make things worse. And so, if you're out there and you feel like you've done this and you're doing everything that Juliet has been saying and you found yourself in couples therapy and you're like, I tried couples therapy and it didn't work. It, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because it probably was just feeding into the OCD cycle 100%. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what would be some of the ways then, right? Like what would be the suggestion? What are some ways that people who have OCD, how can they communicate with their partner about OCD? That's a really common question that I get is like, well, how do I tell my loved one that I have OCD? And I always tell people like, there's no right or wrong way. It is so uniquely up to you. And you get to talk about it as much as you want or as little as you want. But, you know, as far as, especially when it's relationship OCD and it does involve the other person. And like you said, it has become personal. How can, how can somebody with OCD kind of breach that topic and even get started about talking about what OCD is, let alone eventually having to talk about things like exposures and rituals and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it is such a personal thing and everyone's relationships are different. And some of us have relationships where we are able to have very in-depth conversations with our partners about like the specific things that come up with us with our mental illness and for those who don't have this you know it's not something that you have to share every specific detail with your partner in order to kind of bridge the gap and have your partner understand more um so I think I mean a big thing I would say to start is just for yourself learn more about OCD and learn more about like how OCD impacts you so you can start just understanding more about like what is going on with yourself because that will make it easier for you to communicate to your partner what feels necessary to share. So one thing that has been helpful with myself and with some clients is um, if your partner knows that you are in therapy, for example, sometimes it can be helpful to talk with your therapist ahead of time, but you could invite your partner into a therapy session with you. And you could, with the support of your therapist, just kind of begin to talk to your partner about how there's this thing 
that's part of OCD that's really common where OCD latches on to relationships and, you know, OCD latches on to the things that we care about. And because I really care about you, it makes sense why my OCD would latch onto this. And it really sucks. And it's really scary. And I want to talk to you about this because I care about you and I love you. And I want us to figure out how we can get through this. And I don't want you to be confused about why I'm doing X, Y, and Z, because I know you notice these things. You may notice these things. Um, and then kind of go from there. One thing I've found that can be helpful is talking about talking about a conversation first. So, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I'm really nervous about it, um, but I think it'll be good. Can we talk about this sometime soon? To kind of set the set the scene to have this vulnerable conversation. That's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a little exposure before the exposure. Yeah, you're like, hey, this thing is scary. I want to talk to you about it. And they know then that you're kind of scared. So they're like, okay, well, this is clearly important. I got to be, you know, my best listening self here. Um, one thing that I've noticed for myself with like my wife and I is a lot of times we would end up having these conversations about my relationship OCD after I would catch myself or we would catch ourselves in this like compulsive conversation loop where we would have gone over something like 30 times and I'm like, no, but let's just, let's just go over it one more time because I'm not satisfied yet. And in those moments, then it's like, oh, wait, hold on, pause. I think that thing is happening again. This doesn't really sound like me. This sounds like my OCD talking. Let's take a pause. And even though I'm not going to feel satisfied in this moment, let's pull out the list of things that you can do in this moment. So one thing that can be helpful is if you do share with your partner, yes, I have this thing, I have this thing called OCD and part of it can attach to relationships. Um, you may have noticed, you can discuss with your partner like the way that it manifests for you in terms of your compulsions. And you can give your partner like a list of red flags. Like, hey, if you notice me saying, something that feels very confessing based, or if you notice me doing X, Y, and Z, these are some signs that maybe it's not me talking, it's my relationship OCD talking. And when you notice these things, here are like three things that I think would be helpful for you to do that wouldn't enable me, that would just support me, um, but also kind of empower me to sit with whatever I'm dealing with. Um, so this can be really helpful to talk about with your partner ahead of time. Like when you're in a place, when you're feeling more grounded, when you're not feeling like triggered, um, because then in that moment, when you do start feeling really overwhelmed or you're feeling like you need to know something or need to figure something out and your partner starts catching on, they can just be like, okay, let me pull up the thing. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I'm happy to talk about like specific things that have worked for me and my wife um, or what some of my clients have done in terms of ways that their partners can support them in these moments. Um, but you and your partner can kind of talk about how is this affecting your relationship? Um, what are ways your partner can like support you without reassuring you, without telling you exactly what you want to hear? 
um, without helping you do whatever your compulsions are. Um, so a, a good one would be like, hey, I see you're really struggling. Can I give you a hug right now? Or, hey, I'm not going to answer that because that sounds like your OCD. Do you want to go and take a little walk? Or do you want to go do something that we like to do as a couple? Um, and these ways can be really helpful, even though in the moment you're like, damn it, you didn't give me that specific reassurance I was needing. Ultimately, it can really help. Yeah. And I think the most loving thing that anybody can do, I deal with this a lot with my son and mm -hmm. I really hope she's not listening. My mom, I noticed that my mom, you know, Eli's grandma, when she's watching Eli, she will very quickly do whatever mm -hmm. it is that makes sense. Like whatever it is, that's easy for her. Like the other day he started asking about death and she lied about it. And she said like, oh yeah, honey, our dog didn't die. Like she's just at a park somewhere. Mm. And <clears throat> I have thoughts about that. Like he's five. If he's old enough to be asking about it, he's old enough to be given the truth in like an age appropriate way. And so I don't know, like I have very strong opinions about what love is. I think love is the willingness to do the hard thing for you. Like, even if something is hard for you now, you're willing to do it because it's going to help that person in the long run. Like that is what love is to me. Yeah. Like, the willingness to do the hard thing now, even though it's hard for me now to feel like I'm not supporting you and maybe I'm doubting myself and you're mad at me and all that stuff. And all I want to do just to get the freak on with my day is to give you this reassurance. I'm willing to do the hard thing because I know it's good for you in the future. Like I will take that on for you. And so that's always my angle when a partner or a loved one is, you know, really struggling with not giving those, that reassurance or not giving those accommodations or whatever. It's like, that is actually the most loving thing that you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And another way that like your partner can kind of become more involved in your treatment is for them to learn more about like, what is OCD? What is relationship OCD? You know, exactly what you just said, Jenna, like how actually not kind of helping them with their rituals is the most loving thing you can do. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways that you see people or maybe even that come up for you personally? Like what are some good examples of accommodations? Like what would be things that if someone is listening, like, okay, I can't have my boyfriend do that for me anymore. Or, oh, I can't have my girlfriend do that for me anymore. I should probably stop doing that. Like didn't realize that that was a thing. If you could just outline some very specific examples, I think that would be helpful because people are out there operating under the assumption that this is helpful and I'm making them feel better. And they might not have any recognition that this is actually just contributing to the problem and it's feeding the beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like essentially unlimited, but some of the like really common ones would be like, if your partner asks you for reassurance and it's something that, you know, they already know, like if they ask you, do you love me? And you told them that you love them this morning. Um, and it's something that, you know, they're, they're really needing to hear it like a specific amount of times or within a context of an argument or, um, so if you notice your partner needing you to reassure them in very specific ways, um, that go kind of away from just like generic, like obviously we want our partners to give us words of affirmation and we want to know that we're cared about and know that we're loved. Um, but when it becomes something where your partner is needing you to like say something in a very specific way or 
kind of continue to go over a conversation with them. So sometimes it can be, you can notice like you're having these like circular conversation where you've talked about the same thing like 10 times, but your partner still doesn't feel like it's right. So you keep trying to explain it for them to kind of feel better. Um, so one way that accommodating might be happening here is if you keep trying to explain it, you're kind of helping them complete whatever the compulsion is, and you are kind of doing that compulsion. Um, another way accommodating might be happening is um, if like your partner is really worried about you um, because of like your past relationships. If every time your partner asks you a really like specific question about your past relationships, if you're just kind of answering it in all the depth possible and kind of giving them exactly what they want to hear, that could also be um, seen as accommodating. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, the possibilities are kind of endless. Another one would be um, just helping them, well, not helping them. Another one could be, you know, if your partner is really afraid that you might be unfaithful to them. And because of this, your partner feels really uncomfortable about you doing things by yourself or going out or spending time with friends. If you are kind of listening to your partner and saying, okay, yeah, I guess I, I won't do this or I won't talk to that person, um, even though in the moment it makes your partner feel better, that is also kind of accommodating their OCD and their intrusive thoughts. Yeah, such good examples. And really, like you said, it could be anything. So uh, I think we all would love like a very comprehensive list, but like life is just not that simple. And there's yeah. no list for there's no comprehensive list for what what a ritual could be. There's no comprehensive list for good exposures. Like I get that question all the time. You really have to think kind of more critically about it, right? Like, is this repetitive? Is this being asked or done in a way that's fear-based or urgent or desperate? Yeah. I also like the word that you used, which is like cyclical or circular conversations. Like we've had this conversation before. It's no longer information mm -hmm. seeking, which is like new information that I've never had before. It's reassurance seeking. It's like, there's no answer that I could give that would ever possibly satisfy it. It's kind of, uh, I'm going to go off on a whim here and I'm going to say like, sometimes it's like porn, like you can't really define it, but you know it when you see it, right? Like you can't, it, like you feel it's compulsive. Like we've been here before. I don't think that this would be helpful. So, um, yeah, just thinking about things in like a more critical kind of bigger picture aspect like that, I think can be super helpful. So, um, yeah, what, then, you, anything else, anything else before we get into like resources and stuff? Yeah, I mean, another thing that I think it's important for um, partners to know and something I'm really interested in like learning more about is I see often there's like this connection between folks who have had rejection trauma or have been in previous like abusive relationships or have been in relationships where there was infidelity or cheating or emotional abuse. And the connection between like those experiences and then somebody developing relationship OCD later. And one thing, another thing you can do to kind of support your partner is, you know, notice and learn about their past. Like you can, if there's a way, like your partner who has OCD, if they do have like some sort of relationship abuse history or um, rejection trauma, 
you know, it is also important to kind of take in the whole picture. And sometimes OCD can really latch on to past experiences. And sometimes these past experiences can kind of show up as obsessive fears in the present. Um, and just for you as a partner to understand kind of like the context of some of these relationship related obsessions, it can be helpful too. Yeah. Also for partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Such a good point. So we've talked about some things that they can say, some things that they maybe should not say or things that they want to try to reduce doing, even though it's so tempting to want to give that reassurance or to just do that ritual with them. Um, so lots of good, helpful tips here. But if someone out there is wanting some more resources to give their partner, or if a partner is like, I want to learn as much as I can, I want to learn how I can be as supportive as possible, what would be some good resources or go-tos for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... So many resources. I would say if you're comfortable, you could share this podcast with your person and say, hey, I relate to X, Y, and Z of this. I would love for you to listen to this. I love sharing podcasts with my people because it's like I get to do the conversation without actually having to talk, which is really nice. Um, but then it can give you something to talk about after. Um, you could also share with your partner some of the OCD Instagram accounts that you follow, or if there are any other podcasts that you like. Um, you could also um, look into many states and the IOCDF, so the International OCD Foundation, they have lots of great family members, support groups. Um, there are also lots of therapists out there who are trained in OCD, but also work with the family members of those with OCD. So talking with a therapist who kind of understands the dynamic that's at play while also who can also kind of explore how you are feeling and kind of support you with this. Um, another thing I think a resource that partners should know with their supporting a loved one with OCD is, you know, you are not responsible for carrying your loved one through this. You can care about them without carrying them. And you deserve to have support. You deserve to also have feelings. And sometimes these relationship-specific OCD topics can be really hurtful to you and they can be difficult to navigate. So you totally have every right to want to talk to your friends and family about this, find a therapist. Um, and also focus on the things that are within your circle of control. So you have control over kind of how you react um, and how you support your partner without kind of accommodating them. You also have control over, you know, the information that you choose to share with your partner. So I think one thing I've noticed is a lot of us with OCD, we're, we're so honest. You know, we we value being honest and we value just being ourselves, right? And sometimes there are like limits of honesty. And, you know, if you ask your partner like a very, very like specific thing about their past, sometimes you don't really need to know every single detail um, in order to have a good relationship. So if you are a partner of someone with OCD and you feel like you need to answer all of their questions, I just want to say that you don't, you can be a great partner without telling your person about every single thing that you're thinking about or that you're feeling or that you have felt or done. 
I feel like that's going to be like a holy shit moment for a lot of people. Like, wait, you're telling me that I don't have to say like everything or know everything. That's crazy. That's probably like a crazy concept to some people, but it's so true. And that's like another sneaky way that OCD will try, right? Like try to get you to confess every little thing. I've worked with so many people who like that was the main thing that was tripping them up. Like they felt like they needed to confess every single little thing so that they could know that they were a good person and that they were moral and that they were, they didn't have any guilty conscience. And it's like, I think what you just said is going to be like a big, like mind landmine for a lot of people in a good way. Thank you. Yeah. I, I know I have to remind myself that constantly and um, yeah, cause it's so interesting. You know, we, those of us with OCD, we have such, I've never met anyone with OCD who isn't just like the most compassionate kind, awesome person. Like we really, we're great people. We, maybe that's reassurance. We are, we are, we're really, really cool. (laughs) We're very cool. And because of this, we take things like in a lot of ways, very literally, like when I think about, you know, being a good partner, I think about, well, I would never want to lie to my spouse, you know, like I value honesty. Um, But like you said, you know, you can be honest without disclosing every inner thought that you've ever had or every inner wish that you've ever had. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Can you think of or leave us off with any other final ways that partners can maybe help themselves or feel supported during this time before we wrap up? I mean, something that comes to my mind, I'm trying to put myself in the situations of like the people that I've worked with, right? Is that like remembering that, trying to get them to remember that they're on the same team, like they're on the same team to, you know, have a great relationship together. Right. And, you know, um, tackling OCD and like trying to make the most of the situation and like really obviously do the evidence-based interventions and the strategies and all that stuff, tackling it from all those different angles. They're all, it's all because they're on the same team. Like they want to, to get through it together. And this is not something that people want to be doing, right? Like, I think that's something that partners need to know too, is just like, this is not something that you're loved one feels good about. This is not something that they want to be doing. I'm pretty sure anybody out there with compulsions, right? Like this is the last thing that they would like to be doing. They would love to be doing anything else, but they've found themselves in this position where they feel really urgent, really desperate. And like everything is hanging on this. And so, um, but as a partner, as a supporter, like you deserve your time too. Like your life should not have to stop or come to a halt because of OCD. And I really like what you said. You can care for your person without carrying them. Like you have to really hone in on your zone of what you can control and, you know, let the rest, you know, be there to support the rest of it, but you have to take care of yourself too. I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And all of these conversations, once you understand like what is at play, that there's this thing, relationship OCD is involved. It's not just you and your partner. There's this other entity in the relationship. And like you said, Jen, it can be a really great opportunity to become stronger as a couple and to learn communication skills and to learn how to, you know, support each other while also really honoring what you're feeling. Um, and also just kind of allowing things to be hard. But I guess the last thing I'll say is 
you know, just because there are hard things in a relationship or in life, it does not mean that you're doing something wrong. I think like for those of us with OCD, we really underestimate our ability to tolerate discomfort and and to tolerate um, challenges. And a lot of times because of this, when, when we are faced with a challenge, so if something is coming up in our relationship with relationship OCD, for example, we're like, okay, this must be a sign that this isn't working and I need to just like leave. And I think for all of us, the reminder that we can do hard things, we are strong and our relationships can handle hard things too. And sometimes having these conversations with your partner about your mental illness can be really vulnerable. Um, but if you have a partner who wants to understand you and wants to support you as much as they can, it's so, so worth it. And if you learn that when you open up and talk to a partner about these things and you're, you don't end up getting validation or support in ways that are kind of appropriate for what you're going through, that's also some information that you can take in. Yeah, such good information there. I know that this episode is going to be super, super helpful, probably going to be shared with loved ones, hopefully. Um, so Juliet, thank you again so much for being here. I would love if you could just like name drop where people can find you on Instagram, if they want to uh, learn oh, more yes. from you, um, anything else that you have going on now is the time, let us know. And I will put everything in the show notes as well. So go for it. Thank you. Yes. So um, my Instagram is at OCD underscore therapist underscore Juliet. I have so much fun on my Instagram. I made it because I didn't want to spam my friends and family with OCD content all of the time on my regular Instagram. And then I realized it's really fun to connect with other people with OCD and talk about all things OCD and mental health. So um, feel free to give me a, a listen or a, a watch. Um, and then I also just opened a private practice. So I am... Um, taking new clients for those who live in Michigan. I'm credentialed with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and I also take um, private pay clients. And I also really, really love learning about um, the intersection between queerness and OCD. I am queer, and I love supporting my queer clients with their OCD as well. Amazing. I think you're so special. I love watching you. I love your stuff. You can just tell that you love it. Like you nerd out about it in the best way. And I re resonate with that so much because that's how it was for me and it, how it is for me. And I just love that. So um, if you're listening, you guys, I will make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes so you can go and um, check her out. Um, Julia, thank you so much for being here. This was going to be so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. 
Thank you so much again for tuning in. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.